I'm one of your hosts, Patrick. I'm Nathan. I thought we weren't doing this anymore. Oh, we're not doing <laughs> that anymore? <laughs> because it's in I the intro? We're still doing it. I don't oh, know. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's because it's it in the intro? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm just going to go along with it because he did it. All right. You're listening to The John Chi Show, hosted by three Korean-American adoptees diving headfirst into what it means to be adopted, Korean, American, and more. And now, here's your hosts, Nathan, Patrick, and KJ. Welcome to Episode 5 of The John Chi Show. We are so excited to bring you Episode 5. It's been an incredible two, three weeks now, and uh, we are, couldn't be more excited about continuing this journey um nathan why don't you tell our audience what john chi means john chi means celebration or party and uh, we are here to celebrate our korean adoption heritage find out what everyone else's story is about and uh, celebrate with them too hopefully uh have something to relate to uh, among the adoption community who are we interviewing today kj Today, we are interviewing Brandon Zagarski, who was a fellow tour attender with me uh, back in the early 2000s uh, when we went to Korea together. So it is a really fantastic interview. We talk all about uh, growing up in rural New Jersey, going to Korea, obviously, and uh, how we got connected um, and where life has led him now. We talk about his project, Audio Addiction Media, and we talk about mental health. We talk about being... Uh, Korean American adoptee, go figure, uh, and just the unique place that that has in all of our hearts and minds. We try a variety of Korean teas, some to more liking than others. Uh, it's a real grab bag of flavors and reactions. So stick around for that. Here is our interview with Brandon. He's just going to keep a stone-cold face the entire time. He's just going to look directly Dude, into the camera. Dude, if Jerry just one day was a stone-cold killer and was just like, nah, nothing breaks me. That'd be this is terrifying. not funny, guys. Yeah, this podcast this is terrible. Why are I'm you dissatisfied. Laughing? I'm dissatisfied with the humor level of this podcast right now. Uh, how do we start this? Sure. We just go right into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so we are here with Brandon Zagarski. What is up, my dude? What's going on, KJ? It's been um, how long? It's been like a decade? Okay, <laughs> so like here, that? yeah, I'm actually pretty confused with this because you filled out in our guest form that you went back to Korea in 2010, which I'm assuming is the same, like, is the trip that we met on. Is that correct? Correct. That is okay. correct, yeah. <laughs> that feels super wrong because I graduated high school in 2011, and I'm pretty I sure know, I went to Korea in, like, middle school. So it was more like 2000. What is that six seven something like that it so, was w- too long ago it's but yeah so it's been a long time and then yeah. we probably talked once or twice after the trip yes and then uh just like each other stuff just occasionally like, just, on social we media we just went separate ways yeah <laughs> yeah now you're back so, now you're back now we're back yeah, together. full circle baby <laughs> yeah um so i'm super excited to have you on the show it's really good to I, reconnect Yes. Could we have talked before this? Maybe. Did Probably. we? Definitely not. Uh, so here we go. This is... I was a little offended, you know. I'm okay, just going to say that. Sir. Yikes. It's better um, late than never. So this is actually really fun because um, when we went to Korea together, we were so young. It was just like, what yeah. even? I don't know. It was just still just like, yo, isn't Korea cool? This place that we get to share. Um, yeah. So let's start this with 
uh, kind of your adoption story. I'm really curious because I never thought to ask you that. Um, so yeah, so what's it? What was it been like? What brought you to America? Besides, we're gonna adoption? go. We're gonna go back in time to the ripe year of 1993, and um, I believe my parents had told me this. They were like, "Oh, well, like they were trying to have kids and stuff like that," and it just obviously didn't happen the way that it did. And so one of my, she's technically a friend of the family, but like I would consider her an aunt because she's pretty much an aunt. Um, But her brother was stationed in South Korea at the time and was like, hey, maybe you should adopt a kid from South Korea. And she was like, oh, well, that would be cool. Like maybe we'll look into that process because like obviously it couldn't have kids. So they figured it out. And then her brother was still stationed in South Korea, so he wind up tra- she wind up traveling to South Korea. So my parents actually did meet me first. My aunt did, and so she like took photos of me and like was like, "Oh my god, this is your kid!" All that sort of stuff, and like you know, obviously they have like scrapbooks of like you know f- old photos and stuff like that. And then um, my adoption day is August twelfth, and so uh, they flew me in. Like, you know, with like it, it, I still think it's hilarious that like they have a guy that hops on a plane with just like a baby strap to him. And it's just like, <laughs> yo, this is your kid. Like, it's like UPS delivery of kids, you know, it's like stork. It's the stork. Story. It's, it's the stork. It's the yeah, it's the stork. <laughs> but the stork is a, a grown Asian man. So I find and that he pretty funny. jumps on the plane and goes home. Yeah. He's just like, he's just yeah. like here's your kid. And then he just like, right, immediately you turns it, you know. And so I just, every time I watch the video, because they took video of it, every time I watch the video, I can't help but laugh because I just think it's hilarious that, like, this dude's just like, here's your baby, like, you know? And I'm just like, and my parents are like, it's not funny, it's, like, cute. And I'm like, it's kind of funny, though, if you think about it. Like, would you, like, if you took that timeline this year and you're just like, here's my baby, like, it would be weird. Like, I feel like it would be weird. So, just a strange man handing off a baby. Just a strange man handing a baby. <laughs> Here's your child. Um, Maybe he but, should uh, be wearing a stork outfit. He could. I, I don't know I if that like would make that. it better or worse. <laughs> Can we start a GoFundMe for stork outfits for people who deliver babies, you know, yes. like adopted babies? I'm just saying. That's, that it might be the well vibe. enough. I'll do it. <laughs> but so, so that's what happened in... We basically, up until a couple years ago, we had the tradition of like watching it as like a family and stuff. And my sister, uh, shout outs to my sister Dana, uh, she should come on, just saying. Um, but uh, she's also adopted, and so like we'll watch hers on us. Uh, well, I'm not gonna reveal her date, it's just whatever, she'll come on and tell you. Um, <laughs> but well, now we have to have Dana on the show, now we have you to. know, yeah, yeah, now you have to. Um, but so we watched those and Obviously, like my parents are really emotional about it because it's, you know, their kids and stuff. So um, so that's really nice. And just like watching it. And I think earlier on when I was a kid, I didn't really like understand it as much just because it's just mm. like you're just like, man, this is so foreign to me. Like somebody just like showing up at an airport. And there's apparently other people that also had like adopted kids at the same time. So it was just like I think there was another person that was like looking for a baby so they're like is this is this our oh, guy so that, that has was our a kid? huge party and a lot yeah, of confusion yeah. <laughs> yeah so it was like is this our kid or is this our kid like i could have gotten swapped with another family's kid you know so who knows uh but it was it's very interesting and i think i don't i didn't think i really accepted it or understood it until like i was much older um 
I probably say like pretty much close to when we like went to the trip to Korea and stuff like that. But yeah, that was that's pretty much like the inter like you know pretty much the adoption at least my adoption story of how I came to the U.S. Pretty much. Yeah, right on. That's cool that you have that that history. So I um I don't know. I guess Gotcha Day is a bigger thing now for adoptees. Yeah, uh, that's not a thing that my family ever celebrated. I know that I was adopted around Christmas time, which was fun. So it was nice. just a, mm-hmm. a fun Christmas gift. Just double family, up, but yeah, me too. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I was curious, Nathan, Patrick, if y'all had any uh, mementos of that, or if your family celebrated a Gotcha Day, or if that really—I don't know. I told my wife, I was like, I don't really think that was a culture as much in the early '90s when I, you know when I was adopted, but it is now because also social media. So true. Well, I'm just jealous that Brandon had video of his. I, I mean, know. Back <laughs> yeah. in the 70s for me, there wasn't much Ooh. video. Uh, Bro, don't be ageist, okay? <laughs> there was back in mean, when we was, had, but... <laughs> my dad had, we had, had old film. Or an eight, eight millimeter, I mean. So, um, but yeah, no, it, it, we have photos and that's about it. So uh, I, I thought that was really cool that there is video of you. Uh, I do wish I'd seen some more of that. But yeah, I was the same thing. I was in December. There's no, um, um, there's not a whole lot of, uh, I don't know, celebration around the date is. I actually don't even know the date. I know it's somewhere before Christmas, like I think two weeks before Christmas. Mm. I think I mentioned it on the first episode, but I just recently found out that uh, mine was in June. I think it was like June 3rd or something. Nice. Um, yeah. But I don't have any video either, just pictures, which I've recently just seen. Probably <laughs> not for the first time, but I have looked at them with fresh eyes and, uh, yeah, it's but it's never something that we ever celebrated or, you know, had a big thing about. That's what birthdays are for and Christmas. Yeah. And those are the only days. I do cherish that. I don't know. I'm sure they'll probably keep the DVDs for forever. But um, yeah, my mom took like a ton of photos and like probably like she took a lot of video within my like probably like first year, like first and second year of like you know, and then obviously like birthdays and stuff, but they were all kind of like mashed together. So I don't know. My mom was probably a little bit ahead of the curve and was like, I'm going to take videos of these and you're going to watch them when you get older. (laughs) And you will watch them. You will watch them. Like, mom, why is your voice so low? (laughs) I'm like taped to it. I'm duct taped to the chair and I'm like, oh my God, I can't leave. (laughs) Eyes taped open. Yeah, eyes taped open. Remember your past. My sister is actually younger than me. She's oh, okay. two two years younger, but we're oh. we both have uh, we both have March birthdays, so like we do share in that. Um, but yeah, I also like to kind of add on to the whole like videos and stuff. Like I'm sure as being adoptees, I don't know if you guys got like um, like pamphlets about like your parents and stuff, like you know, like your birth parents and stuff. But apparently, my mom kept like a file of it. And she was like, oh, this is you can read them like when you get older or whatever. And so she still has like paperwork and she said like, oh, well, you know, when you're 18, you can try to go look for your parents if you want to and stuff. And um, so I remember reading it when I was younger. I don't know where they're I don't know where the papers are at now, but I probably like to take a look at them. I, I just felt like it was a little bit odd because it's like you can read somebody's like text and stuff. But like it's totally different when you can obviously see them and stuff. Right. Um but yeah, I've definitely had the thought of like trying to find out because obviously, like you said, KJ and I have like the papers. So um, I, I don't know. It's definitely been I, I think more recently because obviously I, I was coming on here and I was like thinking about stuff to like, yeah. like the questions you might ask me and stuff. But I was like, 
yeah, I was like, maybe I should look into it because I wasn't sure if it like costs money to go like look for them or whatever. And since I'm like, you know, a poor millennial that I can't afford to go. <laughs> Bro, don't <laughs> I be can't afford to... We're not ageist on the show. <laughs> it's funny you things... say that though. Um, I uh, have recently started kind of doing a family search and um, I got the process started and they sent me this long email with everything that I needed to get and collect. And, sure. and they said, and then they had the fees listed and I was like, okay, that seems pretty reasonable. And then I saw a post on Facebook and one of the adoptee groups and they go, Hey, I just started this search and it said they want to charge me all this money, but I hear that you can do it for free. So I'm like, okay, I got to dive into this. So I'm pretty sure there's an organization called 325 Karma. I think you can go through them and it might be a little bit more cost effective. So plug for 325 Karma. And also it depends on the agency. When I did mine, they gave me the fees as well, but then there was a little... Uh, a line below it where she specifically wrote, and if you need help with these fees that can be discussed, as in sure. um, there might be some sort of financing or something where they can find a uh, somebody to donate the money toward that. Um, so it wasn't like a, you have to pay this or nothing, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. So um, for my agency was Dylan. So, but I think they're probably somewhat similar as far as that part. Uh, Nathan and Patrick, do you feel like it was worthwhile to kind of like take a look into it? Not that like I wouldn't want to, obviously, but I always kind of am like skeptical, like as you were saying, like you have to pay for stuff to like look. And so it's always kind of like in the back of my head, like deterred me a little bit from looking, not because I don't want to. It's just like, would I be able to afford to like look for someone? And like, how long do they look for to like locate them and stuff? So, um, what, you know, what's your thoughts on that, I guess? Well, for me, it is, I'm, it's like the infancy of this journey. So okay. I am probably in the same spot as you. But for Nathan, it's a little bit different. Yeah, my, mine was more along the lines of yeah, I did it much later than I think everyone else uh, in my late 30s. And it was a lot of medical reasons and stuff that I went through with it. But um, the, the fees, I, I same thing. I wanted to look up to see how much the fees were. And for me, the fees were, I mean, it was, I think it was under $300. So uh, oh, wow. okay. it, didn't, it didn't seem outrageously priced where I was, you know, a uh, scared of going forward with it. So I, I just went ahead and did everything. And, um, and in the end, the outcome was far greater than, you know, any probably dollar amount that I would have done. Yeah. So yeah, you got to listen to episode one to hear that yeah. story. <laughs> so, so Get I got on a lot it. more out of it than $300. And, and you know, it's it, so, but everyone's story is different and everyone's reasons are different. So, um, you know, I never say that, um, that people have to do it cause it's not too expensive or even if it was free, everyone does it for their own reasons. So, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, switching gears cause I want to talk to you, um, just about kind of your growing up and things. Um, you mentioned that you grew up in rural New Jersey. Uh, you mentioned in your guest form that uh, there weren't a lot of uh, people of color around you, a lot of other adoptees besides your si- sister, obviously. Um, so what was it like for you growing up, being adopted? Um, was that an important identity for you at the time? And then uh, what led you to deciding like, yeah, I want to go to Korea? Uh, well, okay. So I'll start with the going to Korea part. So that wasn't, I don't think that was really a choice 
for me per se. <laughs> like my yeah. parents are like, "Hey, you want to?" They sat you down in a chair and you're like, "You're going to Korea." Yeah, very, like, Mom, much, why is your like, voice like this? There was a dark room, you know. Like there was only one light. There was a chair in the middle, you know. And, and they're your just bag like, was already they're packed. Like, they're like, sit down. And then you know that that's the rest was history. You know, I just remember no. They were like, they were like, no. They're like, would you be interested? Like they. They sat my sister and I both down and they were like, oh, would you be like if we were to go to Korea, would you want to go back to Korea, your homeland and stuff? And I was just like, yeah, sure. Why not? Like who who would want to go on like vacation for like almost two weeks in like yeah. a place you don't even know? So yeah. I was like, that sounds sick. Let's do it. And then my sister's <laughs> like, I'm too young, so I don't even know. So like, let's uh, that's a yes, too. You know, so uh, uh, so I feel like it was kind of like I feel like indirectly it was them like saying like we really want to go but since you're right. like our adopted kids like we would feel obliged to bring you along because we you know you have kids you know at we've least that's how tickets, i took but it we've, we're gonna ask no it, it was i think we talked about it for a little bit it's kind of my brain's a little sparse on like the actual details of it but mm. i remember them i remember definitely having some sort of like conversation where they're like hey do you want to go to korea and stuff and i was like yeah that'd be really cool so um Growing up, we I did I want to kind of uh, I I told a little bit of a white lie. There was two people that I was a part of that was also in Holt, and they uh, I would happen to be like family friends of ours at the time, and they also adopted uh, people. So there was there was two two friends, my friend Dan and uh, Jamie. Um, I don't really keep in contact with them as much anymore because I feel like our lives kind of just differed, but. Um, but growing up, like, we would see each other a lot just because, like, obviously they wanted to have, like, that connection of being, like, adopted and stuff, um, which I didn't feel like any of us really particularly took to just because we're all like, oh, well, we live in New Jersey. Like, you know, who else around us is going to look like the way that we look, right? So, um, so I feel like growing up, it was mostly, like, just, like, normal stuff. Like I remember having like conversations with my parents like earlier on. I was just like, oh, I don't look like I was like, you know, I would see my like parents or like other parents, friends of mine, like getting picked up from school or whatever. And I'm just like, oh, they're all white. That makes sense. And then like I'd have my parents come pick me up and I'm like, wait, they're white. I don't understand that. I don't look like them, you know? And so it was a little bit, I think it was harder. I don't feel like like initially I was like really cognitive of it but I felt like when I got older and stuff and was a little bit more like aware of things like that's when things started to be like I'm not like my parents whatsoever and so it was kind of like a more of a reality check sort of a thing and I remember kind of getting into like like uh high school and stuff like that that's when things kind of changed a little bit more like um the the first kind of instance of that was like so my um my parents are like Christian and stuff like that. So we went to like a Christian high school out, out in the middle of like nowhere, New Jersey and Ooh, private they school. <laughs> private school. Yeah. So, um, there was other, uh, people from Asia, like they were from like Korea and like a bunch of different places. And, um, and so that was kind of like my first interaction with like Korean people was, and they were like actually from Korea. Cause like, you know, they could speak Korean and they come up to me. And I remember one time I was in high school and because like the school is like also like a church and stuff like that. I remember people coming up to me and like speaking like uh, Korean to me. And I was just like, like, I just gave them like the most <laughs> blank stare I possibly could. And they're like, they're like, you're Korean. You have to know, like, you have to know what I'm saying. Right. And I'm just like, 
I, I don't know. Like I was just like, you know, I just kind of gave them the like, I don't know what you're talking about phase. And they're like, oh, well, you from here? And I was just like, yeah. And they're like, oh, okay. And then they would just like walk away because they knew I couldn't like answer whatever uh, they had to ask. immediate letdown. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's an immediate letdown. And so it was a little strange that way. Like, and I think it was kind of like, I didn't feel like I fit in in the camp of like my friends like that. And I'm not going to just my friends. I love them to death. But like, I feel like I didn't fit in their aspect. And I didn't fit in the like real Asian Asian population. You know, like it was just like kind of like I was straddled between two different worlds. And it was kind of hard to rectify between like, am I going to just be like that like white like hick kid or am i gonna be like you know an asian kid that like has no not has no idea what they're talking about but i want to feel like cool with them and i don't think i really kind of realized that more so that i didn't have to like pick a side and i can just be myself until like i got into like college and stuff that's when i was like i don't really care like i'm just gonna do whatever i am like i know like i know who i am and like the things that i do and it's not going to be based off of like because I'm adopted or because like, you know, because I'm like my parents are white or stuff like there's been plenty of times where I'll like completely throw people off and I'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm like my parents are here and they're like, oh, OK, that must be nice. And then they'll like point out like an Asian family and they'll be like, oh, those are your parents. <laughs> right. And I'm just like, and there, nah, would be a, and there would be a point where I would like make a joke about it and I would like go up to like random Asian families. and I'd be like, oh, hey, what's going on, mom and dad, all that sort of stuff just to like flex on them right <laughs> and they would be like and and then they'd be like oh my god like they'd be like those are actually your parents that's awesome and then when they actually met my parents it was just like what like there's no way like, what did the random asian adults do when you said hi mom hi dad <laughs> oh it was it, it was just like the shuddering face of like i don't know who you are like who are you <laughs> kind of no. and that was the best part because then like they knew that they were shocked and like the people that like I was trying to convince that they were my parents were also shocked. So it was just like, I just feel like I made it kind of like a self-deprecating joke, which is like my style of humor anyway. So I was just like, you know, this is great. Like, I just thought it was like, <laughs> for me, it was more of like, a, like a pitch to a joke kind of a thing, not like, and then it's not to downplay adoption whatsoever, but it was just kind of, for me, it was just like a way to kind of like, rectify or like resonate with like my culture and stuff with just like oh i can make like f kind of like a funny out of this and people like maybe understand more about like what's going on because whenever i like people like talk to me on the phone they just probably think i'm like some white dude and then i'm just like yo what's up you know like it's totally different you know yeah. it's so different right. with a last name like zagarski <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so yeah so let's talk about the trip. Korea and yeah um I'm curious what are the moments that because we talked about it obviously from my perspective on episode three but what are the moments from that trip that really stood out to you oh well I I keep telling ironically enough I told this funny story about our trip not too long ago because uh, my girlfriend met my parents uh when they came up to New Jersey and uh, I remember telling her this. My mom was like, tell her, tell like, tell your girlfriend the story about when you when you ate like a raw uh, like snail. And I was like, OK, what, what are we talking about? <laughs> and then she's just like, oh, remember when you it was like you, KJ and your sister. And like we were all sitting at like this table and at the middle of the table, there was like some sort of like 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 spiral shell thing. And I, they were like and I just remember 
you i think it was like the group of us we were like oh well like we were all trying to dare each other to eat this like raw <laughs> and we were just like you're like no no one's gonna eat it no one's gonna eat it and i was just like i was like i'll eat it i was like but for a price and then <laughs> and then kj's like oh i'll give you like 10 korean dollars and then i was like no no, no we need more you need to give me more money for this <laughs> so and then somebody was like i think it was if i remember correctly is the uh james was like I'll do 20. And then like my sister's like, no, nah, I'll do, I'll give you $30 to eat it. And then it just kept like inching up a little bit more. And then finally I was just like, all right, fine. I'll just eat it. So I remember eating it and I was just like, this is horrible. Right. <laughs> and then the lady comes up and she's like, Oh, I forgot to turn the, the thing on. So you have to cook it before you eat it. It's, it was completely wrong. It was completely wrong. And I ate it and I was just like mortified. I was mortified. I was just like, but I was like, I got like 50 Korean dollars out of it. So I guess, you know, you win some, you lose some. It's hopefully not food poisoning too. Yeah. I, dude, I hope it wasn't food poisoning. We lost him for a day on that trip. But that was, that was one that stuck out to me the most just because I thought it was hilarious. But there was there was also another story which was kind of like at the beginning. So my parents were like, oh, well, we're going to go a little bit all out on this trip. So they wind up renting like a limo and we drove to like Newark or no, we drove to Philadelphia International Airport and then we had to take like a flight since, you know, as you know, KJ, we all met in like San Francisco. So I remember them saying like, oh, well, don't sleep on the flight. Right. And I was just like, all right, fine. I won't sleep on the flight. So I remember I didn't sleep for the, the I think it was like a three hour trip from Philadelphia to like San Francisco. And then I didn't sleep like the 16 hours on the plane <laughs> either. So and then we I get there why. like midnight in Korea time. Yeah. Right? So I didn't and know they why. Us this huge meal. Yeah. Ugh. So I didn't know why I was being really stupid. And then we had like a 30 minute bus ride from what my mom told me. And all I remember was we got our bags out and I was just like, I was hangry for sure. Like I didn't eat anything. Like I was mad, you know, you oh, were, yeah. and I was just like this, like, like just this, like, you know, chunky 13 year old dude. And I was just like, I'm just so hungry. I want to eat something. <laughs> and, and then all I remember from what my dad tells me, cause he tells me a sto story all the time. Cause he just likes to roast me. But, um, I remember, like you said, we had that big meal and my dad told me that I literally, as soon as they brought this like bowl of like cold soup out to us that I like, as soon as they put it on the table and I was like, Oh soup. And then I just conked out and blacked out. And I like, she, he told me that my face went directly into the bowl. Like, there was soup everywhere. I don't remember any of this. Cause I was obviously like just knocked out. And then oh all God. I remember is waking up in my bed the next day, like completely like just, you know, just in my boxers. And then my dad's like up watching like Korean TV. And then I like remember like, like getting up and I was just like, I felt terrible. And I was just like, what happened? And he's like, oh, he's like, you passed out. So I had to carry you up the steps into our room. <laughs> and then I had to undress you and then put you in the bed. And uh, now you're here. And then he's like, welcome to Korea. And that was like, <laughs> that was like, that was like, face oh, like, of the soup is like, yeah, face in the soup is like a hilarious joke you see on TV. Just like yeah. yeah, yeah, but it was a reality for me. So now I have to now I have to live with it, and now it's also on a podcast. So now I get to relive it when I listen back to this. Perpetuity. I'm only gonna listen to it every day, so don't worry. But did okay. your mom take Just, video of that? That's what. No, I'm she didn't. Surprisingly, if she took video of it, I would I probably would have said it to you because I'm a masochist. But. <laughs>
mom if you have the video send it but um <laughs> yeah i uh yeah that was that was another one and then i'm trying to think if there is anything else that i can kind of remember remember fondly um there was definitely a little bit of an instance where i i don't know if it, i'm sure it happened to you kj as well where we like stayed with like a korean family um for like a stint like it was like a couple days or something like that it was very strange. That's all I'm going to say. If you're sleeping in someone else's house and you don't know them and they speak a language, don't you don't remember if that happened to me. But I think that might have been the time when I broke off from the group because it was on. I remember uh, we our tour was going on the way down to Busan and uh, we I don't know if we got to Busan and then like they got me in a taxi or something. And then we went up to, to Daegu because that's where I was born. Mm-hmm. So I got to see like the hospital where I was born and like meet my foster mom. And I had uh, lunch with her and things like that. So maybe that was during the time. Cause I don't necessarily remember. There are like five things that I remember Bits. from that trip. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, so. There's there. I feel like, I feel like I remember more stuff recently cause it just jogs the memory. Like when we, yeah. like I said, when you asked me to come on, I was like trying to like really remember. And then I like kind of asked my parents like, Hey, you, what do you remember about this trip? Because <laughs> yeah. I'm going to try to see if it can jog something in my head. And, um, yeah, I also miss my foster mother. Um, and I just felt like the exchange was like, I feel like now looking back on it was a little rough because it's just like, you know, like I'm, you know, younger and stuff <laughs> as Nathan turns the mute on. Maybe just awesome. mute the microphone. Like you don't need to hear my kid cry. Oh, like, you don't hear my kid. <laughs> That's fine. It makes it easier for me to edit later. <laughs> that is amazing. See his hands slowly, slowly creeping. Yeah, I saw that. Button. I saw that. It was slowly creeping in to hit the mute. Um, but yeah, I felt. I felt like it was a little. I feel like now looking back at the whole exchange with my foster mother, it was like a little bit off because like, like I didn't feel like I really understood it. I was like maybe just too young and just too like stupid to realize like what's going on and like the like the significance of it. Um, and she was like crying and stuff. And like, obviously I didn't like, I didn't feel any sort of type of emotion about it. Cause like, I didn't know her. Like, it just felt like it was just like, she knew me so well and I didn't. And just felt like it was just like, kind of like two different like paths of like, okay, like, okay. Like she feels really emotional about me. Cause she took care of me for like, you know, a, a period of time. And she like introduced me to like her family and all that stuff, like her kids, and so, like, obviously she felt, like, a rush of emotions about that. And so I feel like now, if I, looking back on it, I felt like if I was to do it today, like, I feel like I'd feel more emotional about it because it's, like, you know, somebody that took care of you. Um, even the same with, like, probably my parents, too. Like, I'd probably feel a certain way about meeting them. Um, but, yeah, I, I felt like maybe at the given time I wasn't really like mature enough to understand what was going on. So it was just like an awkward experience. So I don't know if the same was for you, KJ, since you met your foster mother. Um, I mean, I had, I I don't know about you, but I had photos of her. Uh, Okay. And so like in my baby book, like my parents don't have video, but they had photos of me uh, in her care and like with her and things like that. So when I saw her, my first thought was, oh, you're the lady that I see in my baby book, you know? Uh, and so so there was kind of a deep emotion, not deep emotion, because, yeah, we were like 13 at the time. But yeah. as deep as a 13-year-old's emotional vocabulary <laughs> is, that was like the depth of what I was feeling. And I just remember that being significant. Um, I got like a, a lime green Mighty Mouse shirt. I don't know why <laughs> uh, she thought. She was like, maybe there's a thing in, in translation where like, 
this is your age and that is close to what you're into. <laughs> I don't know if Mighty Mouse was ever a big thing in Korea around the early 2000s. But The question then, is, so I got is do you still have it, KJ? I don't. I definitely what? don't. But, Man. but I, uh, I didn't even know the character. Like, I think my parents <laughs> were like, oh, this is Mighty Mouse. And I was like, all right, cool. But she also gave me like a Korean manga, which I don't even, I don't know what the Korean term is for manga, but like a Korean comic book. And that okay. was really cool. And that was, so there were like, it was a like a medieval Korean thing, and so I, there's like this turtle ship that breathed fire, <laughs> and like I was like, this is so cool. And I nice. had just recently gotten into like Japanese manga at the time, so I was like, okay, I'm this into is this. Cool. this is cool. Yeah. And it's left to right, you know, and and I could read the characters. I have no idea what they're saying, but I can <laughs> read the characters and see the art style. So it was just cool. And again, like I said uh, previously, that trip for me was the first time that I really remembered. Korea or really understood Korea as a historical nation and so going to the the dynasty palace that we went to and yeah. uh, going to the Buddhist temple and things like that like that those are kind of profound highlight moments for me and being like oh this is there's some old stuff in this yeah. land <laughs> you know, and, and so that was cool so. that DMZ portion of the trip I don't know if you went to that or not but that mm-hmm. was yeah. like that was in I, I will say like obviously I don't know if people would be able to experience it now because just the whole nature of what's going on but that was i I don't know i felt like i felt like a deeper emotion to that because that's like insane being so close to like you know something that obviously you know is obviously not great um and so it was it was it was tough because like you know you can't smile you can't do any of this sort of stuff and you had to keep like this like stone cold like emotion to you and stuff and just like I think the one I think the one thing that I remember the most, ex- excluding the the face in the soup, um, was uh, <laughs> was just them like staring at each other, like the North Korean side and the South Korean side, like just staring at each other, like n- like dead, like dead, you know, like dead straight looks. And I feel like that's something that will I'll always remember no matter what, because that's was like so impactful. And it's just like it's I think it just shows like the obvious like rift between like north and south korea i'm i felt like you know like you read it in textbooks and stuff and you're like wow this is like you know there's something going on here but like to actually be there in that moment i felt like it was more like it's just such got such a strong emotion to it even if like you aren't familiar with what's going on it's just like you can feel like there's like some underlying tension there but like obviously no one's gonna do anything because then like something would happen yeah it starts yeah it restarts not restarts uh, stops the ceasefire i guess yeah i remember being there and it being just the air being so heavy and weighted uh it's kind of like if you've ever been to um like a a concentration camp or even honestly just like a a memorial like a museum and like that same kind of weight uh and you just yeah you just get that sense of it um a lot of the memorials in in uh in DC feel like that to me anyways but yeah mm. so going up there and I remember that our trip like we were gonna go like cross the border into the North Korea side and they were like nope not today mm. just, you know like not feeling it or something but yeah just that that tension of like don't do anything that could trigger fighting you somebody know? Yeah, uh, yeah being told that as a 13 year old you're just like oh dang like I'm yeah. not not ready for that <laughs> well and I think especially because of our trip like so we're recording this on 9-11, and I think because that trip was only, you know, five or six years maybe removed from that. I, For yeah. me, being so young, I was just like, there is real potential for something terrible to happen. 
Oh, 100%. Uh, and so, yeah, so I was just like, I need to be very serious. But then hilariously, they were like, here's this tower that the South Korean side built. And over there is a tower that the North Korean side built. And they made it like two meters taller just to, and I, you know, and I was <laughs> yeah, like, that's exactly. a weird it's a weird flex, North Korea or yeah. South Korea or whoever, whichever Korea flexed. I was like, that's a weird choice. But uh, yeah, so it was like, it's just this weird kind of culture shock of this is there. It is very tense here. And then also there's just kind of, to my eyes anyways, like a funny, like, but we're better or stronger, even in like the small little things. It's like microaggressions alongside of obviously these very overt macroaggressions. So yeah. yeah, and also I think my mom was like, "Hey, you want to take a picture with this soldier?" He's like, "You can't smile though," and I was just like, and then we like were Buckingham both, Palace, we were both like, way we were less both fun. Like, <laughs> they were both like this, like, like that. And I, she has a photo in her like photo album of us, and I just look back at it, and I'm just like, "Why did you make me take a photo with this guy?" Like. He's just like, he can't, we both can't smile. So it just looks like we're both just like really sad individuals, you know? Like we just both got yeah. finished watching like the notebook or something, you know? Like <laughs> we're both like, no emotion. Like we've cried, we've cried all of our tears, you know? And we're just like emotionless rags, you know? That's how I felt. <laughs> That's a great and picture I, I, to revisit, the emotionless picture. <laughs> yeah, the emotion. It's like, cool, look, where you were emotionless. Cool, great. We're going to skip that page, you know? So. Um, but yeah, no, the trip was really cool. I liked Busan a lot. That's where I was born. So that was really cool. And, um, it was very, there was a very, very strong smells in Busan cause they have the fish market there and it smells, <laughs> it smells like a gym, like just a real nasty gym, you know, like a gym that hasn't been cleaned in like an extremely long amount of time. So that was cool. And also like being able to like, touch that part of the ocean too like and it sounds corny but like you know i feel like that was that was pretty cool to like be on a completely opposite side of the world and be like yeah hey i'm on the beach here i was like this water is like negative two degrees but it's cool though <laughs> <laughs> that's funny i remember having the same same feeling because i used to vacation with my family in like san diego area mm -hmm. and be like i've touched the other side of this ocean <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's being yeah being around the world like that was cool so. Um, but yeah, no, I had I had pretty fun memories of it. Uh, my parents always asked ask me if I'd go back, and I was like, yeah, I'd probably go back. I, I feel like I would have way more enjoyment out of it now being older mm -hmm. and like kind of understanding it and like learning more stuff about like cult, my culture and stuff. Like I feel like I kind of straddle lines between like still being like a normal white dude and like also <laughs> like and and also like being Asian at the same time and like having those sorts of traits and stuff. I just remember yeah. a funny trip that has nothing to do with like adoption whatsoever. But I remember uh, me and my best friend from grade school, we went out to uh, San Francisco for like just like a, a spring vacation. And we were in like this like Asian shop in like Chinatown. And some dude thought I was like, uh, like at a popular Asian Twitch streamer in in uh, so, <laughs> nice. he was just like, there you oh go. man, he's like, I enjoyed your stream last night, and I like didn't pick up on it, and I was like, what are you talking? I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? And he's just like, oh, he's like, you're the dude that was like streaming last night, and I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, on Twitch, man, you don't remember? And I was just like, I literally don't know who you're talking about. He's like, he's like, and then he finally like it finally clicked in his head, and he's like, oh, you're not that dude then. And I was just like, what dude? I was like, what dude are you talking about? I was like, I don't know who you are. And he was just like, oh, I watched this streamer. It kind of looks just like you. And I was just like, oh, ouch. Oh. I was like, dude, 
I was just like, can I just buy my shit and like leave? That's all I want to do. <laughs> yikes. Yeah, so I'm curious, because um, you said you, I mean, I think like we all do, we toe that line between feeling like white people and being very obviously Asian. Yeah. Um, <laughs> On the looks, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and I, I think you alluded to it a little bit about going to college and then um, kind of coming into like, no, this is who I am and coming into your own sense of identity. So where are you now with towing that line, thinking about uh, being Asian American and um, I don't know, like how maybe does, and if it doesn't, that's fine, but how has like going to Korea kind of helped to re-influence that and just, yeah. I said, I think, uh, I think I think about it a little bit more now. Cause like, obviously we're on the podcast and stuff. Also, Nathan, that was sick, slick, <laughs> slick moves, you know, slick moves with the mute. Um, but I felt like now <laughs> I feel like now, like I, I feel more attached to it. I think it's just, just cause when I went to college and I like, and like, you know, just music and stuff, like, I feel like I, I tapped more into music and stuff and like listening to mm -hmm. other bands from other countries and stuff. And I feel like that's when I really was like, yo, there's some like sick Korean bands out there that like, I don't even yeah. know, like in that genre of music. And like, um, and I just think it's ironic that like K-pop is now huge and like everybody's like, yo, like, are you like related to like that guy from like that K that special K-pop group? And I'm just like, and you clap uh, back and you're like, are you related uh, to Justin Bieber? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, like no, me alone. I'm not. God. Like, I was just like, they're just like, oh man, you must be able to dance really good or something. And I'm just yeah. like, nah, fam, can't do any of that stuff. I was like, <laughs> your boy has no dance moves. So, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm not a part of the Jabberwockies. Uh, you know, like any sort of like amalgamation uh, of those words. Yeah. Like, I feel like I've heard it all at this point. And uh, yeah, I've had people like, I don't know if you guys have had dealt with this, um, but like during like quarantine and stuff, like especially earlier on, like I had people be like, you need to go back to China. And I was just like, um, I'm, first of all, I'm not Chinese. So, you know, get your facts straight, first of all. And secondly, I'm like, I don't really care. And I was like, I've lived here probably longer than you have. So I was like, why don't you go back to your, like, why don't you go back to your farmhouse and your, you know, and you're like, well, you, you know, go back to Poland. Yeah. Why don't you go back to Poland? Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you go back to Eastern Europe or something, you know? Um, but like I feel Germany, like Germany, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Wherever white where are white people from? I don't know. Europe, Everywhere apparently. Just Europe. Europe. Yeah, just, just Europe. Europe. Um, but I feel like now I feel like I've identified with it more just because of like what's going on, I guess, more racially and like I feel like I've tapped into it a little bit more just because I feel like especially just with like COVID and stuff, like I feel like I've attached more to it because I know it's something that like you know, gets people get underrepresented, you know, regardless if you're like African American, you're Asian, whatever, you know, like anybody that's like non white, I feel like that's, I feel like it's always a tough line to like ride and stuff like that, just because like, what's going on. Um, so I feel like I've tapped more into being like, you know, learning about Asian cultures and stuff like that. And just like learning about other cultures in general, because, you know, because, you know, it's definitely give, I, I feel like it would implore a lot of other people to kind of like, if you have like other friends to like learn about their cultures and stuff like that and like kind of grow from that or like some or some stuff that like I've learned about like Korean culture that I'm like, yo, this is cool or like or or like a cool Korean like like, you know, alternative or like heavy band that I like found recently that I'm like, yo, this is really cool. Like I would have never expected that. Um, so that's awesome. And like to kind of attach on to that more in the music aspect of it obviously culturally i feel like i could probably you know learn some more stuff but 
I think generally, like, you know, I feel like generally it gives me an opportunity to like learn more about like Korea. And like I said, I would definitely like to go back and like kind of like learn more deeply about stuff and maybe spend like some like a longer amount of time. I mean, obviously, we almost spent two KJ and I almost spent like two weeks there, but um Obviously, I can't tell you how long ago it was because my memory is poor. <laughs> but um, I feel like uh, I feel like it's the snail. The snail yeah, it's got the, you. It's the snail got me. That's <laughs> I lost some. I think I lost some brain cells after eating that. But um, and maybe, maybe you can yeah, actually no, eat the soup this time too. So. May, yeah, maybe I <laughs> might be able to eat the soup. Who knows? <laughs> Not just sleep. Maybe just a yeah. Pavlovian response. Just every yeah. time he goes to a Korean restaurant, he falls falls asleep. Yeah, in the soup. Falls asleep. Yeah, I'm going down. I just got Dana here. is just like, like, dude, wake up. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I feel like now, I, yeah, I feel like now more currently, like I've, I feel like I've more identified with it and like understood it more than just like, than just like before where I feel like I maybe like suppressed it. Cause I was just like, you know, I'm just that white dude that lives out in the middle of nowhere, you know, all that sort of stuff. Like, I feel like I've kind of suppressed it for like a long period of time. And, um, I don't feel like it was maybe more so healthy and now like, I feel like now I feel like I'm in the healthy spot where I'm like learning about different things and like kind of growing and like, you know, obviously I don't know what there is to know about Korea because there's a lot of stuff and there's many, many, many textbooks that I probably could read about, you know, Korean culture and like history and stuff. But, um, you know, I hope to kind of get into that more so, especially I feel like this is kind of ignited me to like learn more about it and get more deep you know, learn about it and like maybe hopefully like find out about my parents and my roots and stuff. Well, bro, welcome back to the journey. Welcome to the journey. I get exactly what you mean when you talk about suppressing that stuff for a long time, because that's exactly what I did for 29, 30 years. I was like, yeah, I am the white dude who just looks (laughs) Asian. But, you know, if you hear me on the phone, it's this is a white guy. I always got confused for my dad when I was younger. Yeah, like and Twinkie then, is just like yeah. a state of being for exactly. us. Just yeah. like, that's yeah. not a burn. That's just how I am. Sorry. Yeah, I'm Yikes. curious on that for you guys, too. I mean, I as a kid, I, I made a lot of uh, humorous jokes to, to maybe mask the awkwardness yeah. of how I felt. Did you guys do similar things where you would tell like even like Asian jokes um, oh, yeah. to other people? Yes. Okay. 100%. I mean, for me, I feel like it was uh, like I would lean into the quote unquote good stereotypes. Um, and I and by lean into, I mean, like I was fortunately kind of naturally acclimated towards like I was good at math and I cared about uh, Kung Fu or you know, just like <laughs> I was interested in that, you know, like like I cared about that. Jackie Chan Adventures is my favorite cartoon growing up. Like fair. So yeah, like I, I already fit what people assumed of me. Yeah. And being raised by white people didn't realize really how hurtful uh, propagating those stereotypes was for any other fuse they may have been, any other Asian American in my sure. life or potential Asian American in my friend's life, you know. Um, and so, yeah, I was just like, oh, I I had enough to be self-deprecating about with my hand looking the way it does that I was just kind of already used to getting ahead of things. Um <laughs> Yeah. And it just as a as a survival tactic, you know, even though for, for me anyways, most of it wasn't uh, ill natured. I was just like, I just want to be accepted because I feel like I have this not scarlet letter, but essentially it's like just my right hand is like just as out and loud and proud, you know, because I was OK with that. But I, I knew that that could um, offer any uh, sense of, you know, ill will or whatever towards me. So that was more of an identity for me than it um, than being 
Asian. Uh, and so, but I think like being Asian wrapped up in that was just like, in that sense of getting ahead of the joke was like very much like a thing that I did. And so now as I'm learning about being an Asian American and on my way to being more anti-racist in my life, I'm like, oh, I need to start unlearning some habits and I need to start working on uh, what I'm doing and the types of jokes that I make, or even like the, again, the Pavlovian response of like, if somebody makes a joke that is uh, a quote unquote good stereotype related, you know, just being like, my natural inclination might be to laugh because I have 20 plus years of history laughing at those jokes and not thinking about like, that's racist and that's not good. (laughs) Like I've really had to learn and Brandon, it might be like this for you too. uh, Cause I know that the rural Northeast can be fairly uh, red uh, and conservative. Like, having to unlearn those things and be like, wait, the appropriate response is not to laugh. The appropriate response is to get angry and is to call people out and be like, stop treating me like, like this, you know, because they're like, unfortunately, if you're just not around a bunch of other Asians, you just, you are that. And so it's like, it's kind of like on you just to be like, treat me like a freaking human being, not like this, whatever you see me as, you know? Yeah. I feel like untrained as well. Yeah, yeah, I think it's more like like Nathan was kind of referring to. Like, I feel like my style of like thought process was like, like I never really. I felt like my stuff was like more self deprecating. Like, it wasn't like I was trying to be like mean to myself. It was just kind of a way for me to kind of you know understand stuff. Like, and I remember having like conversations with my parents about like being an adopted American and stuff like that, and how like you know how important it is and how you should be proud of it and stuff, and like how much they love me and stuff like that. And that's awesome. But I felt like there wasn't really, and I'm not I'm not sure about you guys, but like you know, there was definitely moments in my life where I was just like, oh, I wish I had somebody like Asian American or like Asian that in my life that was like, oh, I know exactly what you're going through, like, and understood that, like, because you can tell your parents all this sort of stuff that's going on, but they're not going to be able to understand because they're like, you know, as white as a wall. And it's just like, <laughs> and it's just like, and it's just like, hey, my mother you, is very tanned. <laughs> well, true. Okay. My dad's pretty tanned. So I'll, I'll, give, him, I'll give him the pass for that for being a, a, a Polish man. But, um, but yeah, like, I feel like there wasn't really an outlet or, or something for me to kind of like resonate or understand things like as an adopted American where I was like, oh my God, like, somebody's got to understand exactly how I feel about like what's going on. Like, you know, the different kind of struggles you go in and out of, of being like Asian American and having that sort of representation to you, because like you, like I said earlier, like you never really fit in the whole like white clan kind of thing. Also, that was a total mishap. I should have said white clan because whatever. We're going to digress. Um, Freudian slip. It's a Freudian slip. Um, and then also like you don't really fit in like the Asian, you know, in the Asian group because you're just like not fully Asian because you're not like, you know, you didn't grow up in Korea. So you don't know how it is to be like Korean. So you know, I felt like for a, a large majority of my life, there wasn't like people that I was like really could understand my position or understand my feelings on like being an Asian American and stuff like that. And I, I, I feel like I've kind of just like, I, I don't know, maybe over the years I've become kind of numb to like people saying stuff to me about things and also like in turn becoming more self-deprecating because it was just like that's a way for me to kind of like cope with being Asian American and being an adopted American because 
I didn't have anybody else. So it's just like, it's just like, oh, well, I'm going to say these things because it's going to make me feel better because I'm like, oh, well, if I can make a joke out of it, like it's a ha ha funny. Everybody's going to like it's going to solicit a laugh. And then like we're going to be beyond it after that point. Like it was just a way for me to just kind of like push the storyline a little bit further because it was just like I don't want to kind of deal with it. Yeah, value. like if you can make the joke first, then you also have the power to make that conversation left turn. Turn, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I feel like I got really good at like making that turn, but not really kind of, I, I don't think more so recently where I've like kind of rectified and been like, yo, you shouldn't be saying this stuff to me. Like, I'm going to tell you how I feel about it. Like if I'm making the joke, like I always feel like, you know, if you're going to make a joke, like if you can't make a joke and you can't laugh at it yourself, like why would you make a joke about somebody else? Right. And so like, I feel like that was kind of my mantra for like a long period of time. And there's definitely periods of my life where I do that now still, but I feel like more recently, like I want to kind of train myself as you were saying earlier, KJ about like really, if it becomes a little bit too excessive, at least for my liking, you know, that I'd be like, yo, I don't, that's not right. Like something's up, you know? So um so yeah i feel like in certain aspects like i think it's more so like just me saying stuff to be like like to again make it a joke so i can control the conversation not like oh well you know shit happens that's what it is you know it is what it is kind of a thing and i feel like i kind of like just let it slide for so so many years because i didn't have anybody to like really be like hey like i'm not sitting like you know i didn't have you know all of you guys here where i'm just like oh well like what would you do in this situation like it was just kind of like hello anybody there hello you know know, out out in the abyss somewhere you know it was just kind of it was kind of odd so i would say i I would say like earlier on it was it was definitely tougher to find people in my life that i could like really talk to and like even some of my friends that like you know like i grew up with it was even the same thing like they really couldn't give me the answers that i was looking for so it was it, it's tough to to say that and i mean i'm sure you've said it in like future podcast things but um you know i feel like i'm fairly easily to be reached out to so if there's any like you know adopted americans that are going through some stuff like feel free to dm me like i'll definitely answer and try to give you my best advice on the situation or like something like that cuz i feel like you know doing the whole YouTube thing now, I feel like that's my platform of like trying to like use my platform to be like, Hey, like I'm adopted American. I'm proud of it. Like, and I want other people to be like, yo, like I can reach out to somebody. That's awesome. Like, I don't even know this person, but they're going to listen to me and that's great. And hopefully I can give them good advice or, um, hopefully not bad advice, but you know, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, totally. I, um, I just I remember I just finished uh, reading Saigon by Phuc Tran, which I heard about on uh, Dear Asian Americans, and was so excited because I think that's my uh, it's, it's the first book that I've read by um, a Southeast Asian, uh, and just his story and his memoirs and things. And and while you're talking, Brandon, I was like, oh, I see that I have uh, like he he talks about his parents coming to America and like mm-hmm. them getting all of the weight and expectation of being both an immigrant and Asian and from Vietnam in the midst of like the Vietnam war. Uh, And so just like, just kind of all of that cultural baggage that they had no idea that they were stepping into, you know? And so like for us being adopted, like we had no idea what we were stepping into. Also we were being carried by stork man. Yeah. Stork man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Hashtag stork man. Yeah. So, so it just, 
but and we had no idea what we we're being but then being raised by white people also you're like well they certainly don't know what we have been brought into you know and and so just having that that sense of like i need to learn what america thinks of me even though i don't think it of myself and also realize that what i think of me is informed by white people and not necessarily yeah. by uh, quote unquote my own people because I don't know. My own people are adopted Asians, like not yeah. Asians, really not white people. Like it, it's this unique kind of subcategory. And that's why we want to make this podcast and bring people along on this journey, because we need places where we can say we, and we need places where we can like, just say, y'all yeah. ever experienced this? And like that everybody's like, oh yeah, I totally get it. You know? Yeah. Cause it's, it's just different. So yeah, I, I totally hear that. Um, so what is your, your platform now? What are you doing uh, with your life? You said that you're on YouTube. What what are you up to, man? Let's well, catch up. <laughs> ironically enough, uh, before before we hopped on this, I announced on my Facebook page that I was going to be taking a little bit of a break for like mental health. And like, you know, I, I've been doing YouTube for four years, like creating like a cool platform where I like, you know, speak to a bunch of different artists from like, you know, from America, the UK, like Europe um Australia, Japan, you know, all that sort of stuff and so um it's been a wonderful journey like I I did it out of um it wasn't necessarily necessity but I was in uh, my senior year of college and I was just like, you know, you sit in college and you're like in the like in the lounge room and you're just like what am I going to do with my life? That's like the next step, right? And I got my bachelor's in marketing and I was just like, what am I going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. And I was just like, I love music a lot. So I was just like, let me start a YouTube channel and see what happens, you know, kind of a thing. And so I've been doing that for, uh, in February, it'll be five years. So it'll be pretty, it's pretty nuts that I've been doing it for such a long time. And um, so as of recently, like as mentioned, like I've been trying to, you know, I took some time off. I'm probably going to be doing more like Twitch streaming and stuff like that, where like I'll be checking artists out from like, you know, all over the all over the globe and stuff like that. So and I've also been just trying to use my platform to speak about like more like, you know, like racial issues as of recently and like mental health and stuff like that, just because I feel like. You know, I don't know if you guys have struggled with it, but I'm sure, you know, I'm sure this definitely been a portion of your life where, you know, like, you know, you go through a bit of a depression about like, you know, about being adopted American and not understanding like, you know, what other people go through and stuff. And, you know, I don't want to say like, this is my cross to bear kind of a thing, but like it, it kind of is in that sense, because it's like, you know, you, you know, I'm sure KJ understands like living out in the middle of like nowhere, pretty much like you know, you don't have anybody else. And if the next neighbors next to you is like, you know, three miles away or something like that, it's like a little bit different. Um, so I feel like for myself, like, you know, just because of what's going on, and I know a lot of people have been stuck inside and stuff like I know, like, you know, those sorts of things come up like anxiety and stuff. So I'm really trying to use my platform to like, speak about that sort of thing. And like, you know, have that be more known. And I know it's, definitely a hard subject to talk about for most people but you know I feel like it's a worthwhile cause to talk about because I'm sure there's a lot of people that struggle with it on a more underlying level that especially musicians I feel like you know a lot of great songs have been written in very tumultuous times so I feel like you know every artist has that sort of you know that sort of emotion or vibe where they wouldn't be singing about it so um so I feel like that's been kind of my goal is to just find like really cool underground bands that 
um, that I enjoy. I mainly listen to like more like heavy metal, that sort of stuff, like in that genre, which completely throws people off because <laughs> I think it's hilarious when people come up to me. They're like, you must listen to like country music. And I was like, no, nah, I just <laughs> listen to like some dude like screaming to a microphone for like, you know, <laughs> an that, hour. Is that not country music? Yeah, that's definitely not country I haven't kept music. up with a country scene. Uh, I mean, it could be. I don't know. There's probably some subset of, of music that's like that. But um, I'd love to hear it. I listen to more like, you know, like metal core, like post-hardcore, like a lot of the, that sort of stuff. And um, it's been fun. It's been really fun. And, um, you know, I hope to continue doing this for as long as I can. And also, I'm just hoping to do it long enough so when I have kids, then I can like be that like really annoying dad that has youtube videos and then you're like look how stupid my dad is look at this he's so stupid right like look how stupid like guys you remember this thing called youtube yeah remember this thing called youtube look my dad has like thousands of videos on here that we can watch and look how stupid he is and i would be like kids what are you watching and he's just like dad we're watching you and back in you know 2011 or something you know like it'll be great i feel like it'll be pretty funny at least I, think it's I don't awesome. maybe now currently like looking at it, I'd be like, wow, this is this is insane. But then when I look back, I'm like, wow, that was some real fond memories, you know, of me <laughs> having a YouTube channel. <laughs> so <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's pretty much what I've been doing more currently. Um, and then I'll I actually like I said, I'm taking some time off. So I'm hoping to be like writing my own music and like doing that in my spare time, you know, no days off kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah, right on. I think it's really cool. Um, I like that you when you said you're stepping away and you're and on your channel, even you're talking a little bit more about mental health issues and stuff like that. Uh, I think it's very appropriate time because September is Suicide Awareness Month. Uh, I don't know if you're yeah. aware of that. But also the Korean adoptee and the adoptee community is in this country four times more likely to commit suicide um, than an average person. So I think that's really awesome that you're using your platform and you're speaking out about those things. And it's really timely, too. Uh, to be bringing that up because, yeah, I mean, for me personally, I've struggled with those things, but I've never went and saw, sought out help or anything like that. You know, mm-hmm. I always pushed yeah, through and, and I've never had a community of people who were like me, just like you were talking about, you know, growing up, I grew up in the middle of nowhere and I never <laughs> had that, but I never, and I did the self-deprecating humor, but only as a way to fit in because I did not want to be myself. And yeah, even I felt that, out yeah. of college, you know, I was still doing that. It took me a very long time to get out of that. So I just wanted to say that I think it's really cool that you're use, utilizing your platform in that way because there are people out there that could use that voice. And I really appreciate you lending your DMs and, and your time to speak with other people. I think it's really, really commendable and, and awesome of you to do. And I want to say, like, I, I feel like the reason why like I kind of, you know, f- you know, I felt that way for such a long period of time. And I feel like that's what really brought me closer to music. And that's why, you know, I feel like that's why I'm really passionate about doing the channel is because it's so close to home to me because it's meant such a great deal to my life. And I felt like there's so much I can owe to, you know, that community of music. But, um, but yeah, no, I feel like I fell more into music and like, especially during probably my like middle school and like, um, early high school age, that's when I really got into music because I felt like I was really distant from, you know, being Asian American and stuff like that, that I was just like, I need to really delve into music. And that ironically enough spurred like my, you know, interaction with like trying to grow music and like knowing that there's other people that like create music and like are from different backgrounds, different walks of life and stuff like that. And that's, I feel like that's when I truly realized that like, you know, even if I'm not like, 
didn't have anybody like to go to that was adopted American. I was just like, I can listen to this music and I know somebody else is going through that like same struggle and stuff. Yeah. And so like that meant a lot more to me. And I feel like that was another like larger uh, coping mechanism for me was just listening to music and like, you know, I think it's kind of therapeutic in a way to just listen to somebody scream into a microphone for like I'm an the hour. Same way. And same so, way, you know, and it's what <laughs> I'm going to tell you, it's the best gym jams when you're trying to like pump out some like weights and stuff and you just hear some dude like scream in your face. Ah, oh, it's great. I'm telling I'm you. Not I, into, I I'm not all live. the way metalcore, but I'm definitely <laughs> into the progressive rock and stuff like that. I don't yeah. I listen to a lot of that stuff, especially in middle school and high school. That's when I got into that. So I definitely feel where you're coming from. It, you push. I feel like you do at least like 20% more gains when you listen to some like just <laughs> hardcore oh, yeah. music. No way, man. Oh, yeah. no, Patrick, is, and right. Patrick is more like, just give me that Come sweet Fallout Boy action. Jeez. That's oh, all I, I need. I, I don't boy, know. Maybe, but... I feel like, I feel like Nate, Nathan's going to have to get back to me on that and I'll have, I'll have to send him some recommendations and then he'll have to let me know if he lifts some, some more Disney or not. soundtracks. So, man, I don't know. I would you love see you. Me. You should see me work out. <laughs> Hey, listen, so, like, I, I could just imagine Nathan, like, lifting to some, like, elevator music. He's just like, <laughs> and he's just like, oh, yeah, doing it. Yeah, and I'm just like, yeah. Somebody comes I'm, over, like, are you listening to the We Play music? Yeah. You need to have Nathan as a guest on your show to review some. That's a good idea. We could do that. We can make the crossover event happen. And then the kind of piggyback on that, like, uh, so I create my own merch on my store and stuff like that. And I'm going to be releasing more designs probably, you know, within the next week or so. But basically, I like mark down all of my like merch and all of the money that I make uh, for profit in terms of the merch is just going to NAMI, which is like the national. I don't even know what the acronym is, which is just like the mental health you know, yeah. Association of America. So all that money is going to get donated to that. So um, I don't want to see a awesome. penny of it, but that's what that's what I've been doing. And I've been just trying to like, obviously I'm not like Logan Paul and trying to push my merch on people, but like if Thank you, you. want to support me in that way, please like support me. And then, you know, I can go support other people that, you know, need the help and that, you know, obviously are asking for that mental health, you know, initiative and stuff. So, um, you know, I don't want to feel like people see me on the internet and they're like, man, he must make a ton of money. And I'm just like, no, I don't. But like any money that I do make, I want it to go to somebody else that needs it way more than I do. So um, that's amazing. So, yeah. man. so that's so that's pretty much the gist of it all. But I'm going to have to get back on Nathan for some like hardcore jams <laughs> where I just see I'm going to have to we're going to have to test that theory out on yeah. if he can lift if Nathan. If Nathan comes back into the show and he's just like this swole dude, then, you know, we know what we've been listening to Chopin. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, uh, Brandon, I could. I don't know about the rest of you, but I could talk to you for hours. Oh, yeah. so it you. has been great having you on the show. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we will uh, be eating and or drinking a Korean food and or drink that we're going to figure out right now. <laughs> okay. Oh, yes. We'll be right back. Bye. Oh, wait. No, not bye. So, Patrick, what are we eating or drinking today? We are eating some really good tea. I mean, we are drinking some really <laughs> nice teas today. Nice. Korean teas, huh? What kind of Korean, Korean teas, teas do you guys have? So, my Korean tea is a nice bitter melon tea. Oh, wait. Ooh. Mm. There we go. 
Bitter nice. melon. Show it to your have, other camera. I have never I actually right had bitter melon. So I have Lotte's corn silk tea. It is oh. unsweetened. Corn. I wonder. It's an English and Korean. I have the same which thing. Is you have the corn. Tea. I have the Lotte barley tea. Ooh. Which which barley tea is I know very popular at Korean barbecues. So is that true? Yeah, it's it's typically one of the main drinks that they give you, and you drink out of these little metal glasses, little stainless steel glasses. All right. Yeah. My okay. bottle has Might the Hangul, uh, the Hangul nutritional label, and then stuck on there is an American nutritional <laughs> label, nice. extremely tiny print. I think <laughs> All right. I think ours have English on there, surprisingly. And it smells like Cheerios. You know what it smells like? It smells like, um, what's that kid's cereal? Kicks? It smells like Kicks Ooh, a kicks. little bit. Like, yeah. That is so, a corn right, cereal, corn so that would make it sense. It is a corn cereal, yeah. Hmm. I don't know what I'm trying to show that other camera. I was going to say, I'm, I'm curious on if yours really just tastes like corn. It okay. literally just tastes it like does. corn. It does. Yeah. It just tastes like a corn drink. Like, it's like, it's like if... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be Patrick with the bar, the bitter melon. With the bitter melon. <laughs> is it? Oh, yeah. Is it by chance uh, bitter? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not just it's a bitter really, choice. I mean, I don't know what this is. It doesn't even look like melon. It looks yeah. like like spiky kiwi, and I don't like that. It's that like spikes amazing. going down my throat. I I surprisingly like this. I don't know. It's something about it that tastes like it just mm. tastes it tastes refreshing. So it I tastes it. corny. It tastes corny. I think I like it, honestly. I, I do I feel like I'm drinking it, yeah. cereal. This is how much uh, I drink choice. because it's wow. so, <laughs> so um, no, you have to finish it on air. That's the that's yeah. the deal. That's the finish. It's it. your fault for getting bitter melon. All right. How much how many how many Korean dollars are you gonna give me to chug this? Wow. Oh, all right. <laughs> Ooh. Segway. Okay, you know what? Actually, I said I like it, but I don't know if I like it. I probably I, would like it if it was sweet. If it was a little hmm, sweeter, but, I feel um, like it would be good. Unsweetened. Yeah, mine says unsweetened too, which I that's just very common for teas in general. So if you need it, probably just like not America. Add some, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I'm not America has less sugar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Usually, (laughs) that's probably why they don't have an obesity problem. I've I've liked barley tea. I've had a lot of it at like I said restaurants and stuff, but it it just it takes a little getting used to because it tastes like barley. I mean, it's it's. And if you don't know what barley tastes like, it tastes like wheat. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's, it's I actually grainy. can't imagine. Is it like eating, uh, what are those, like, not wheat thins. Uh, Triscuits? The, like the No, the cereal that's like just a bundle of wheat. That's frosted wheat mini then. wheats. Oh, frosted but mini not wheats. frosted. So then it's just like maybe the mini wheats? flavor, Shredded but wheat. not the sweetness of it. I, I mean, it's it's really healthy for you. Um, okay. But it's, it's uncaffeinated. It's... Um, I I don't know. I know it's a uh, um a staple as far as the the Korean barbecues go. I don't know where else people drink it, but every meal or not. All right, I took but a bigger like drink it. of this. I took a bigger drink, and it didn't taste as bad. Oh, maybe okay. did you shake so maybe it up? You've just been drinking it wrong. <laughs> no, I didn't shake it up. All right, I'm gonna take a big. <laughs> Is it a shake before drinking kind of thing? I don't know. I've never had bitter I melon. Should at sh- all, I should. I like. probably should shake it just in case. You know. Also, I want to know what I don't corn silk is. Oh. Yeah, what the, what's like the silk part? What makes <laughs> Honestly, it the YouTube video will be worth watching just because of Patrick's face. What is bitter melon <laughs> even? Like, is it bitter watermelon? Like, I don't even know what it is. I don't know exactly um, what the what the 
the plan is for the bitter melon? Is it like a mixer? Is it you know you drink it? I know bitter bitter vegetables are actually good for you though. So well, I I know it might not taste good, but I'm sure it's pretty good for you. So. so it's the Korean version of a veggie V8. Yeah, yeah maybe. No, V8 is so much better than this. I don't even like. If anyone juice. knows more about bitter melon, uh, yeah, send us a message or a comment below. Yes, I'm going to chug the rest of this so. right now, just so I don't have to ever drink it again. Do it, do it. Chug, 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 chug. Glug, 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 glug. Oh my gosh! Mm. Wow, that is impressive. Oh. Is shotgun to bitter melon. Oh man. <laughs> Oh, he's gonna be feeling that. He needs a chaser. He needs a chaser. Uh, uh, I will say, I will Sanju, say, Kaj- Jinro, strawberry flavor. <laughs> oh, that was so wow. Much Patrick's better. really out here with the sponsorships. I feel that. That's a, that's a strong vibe. His, I yes, do that. Listen, I do that all the time strong on my channel. I'm just it. like. I'll, I've been recently. I feel like this isn't too far off from what I like drink normally. I drink like a lot of seltzer water because I try not to, you know, have a lot of sugar in my diet. So I feel like I probably drink this just because, like, you know, it's why not c- corn? You know, All but right. um, yeah. Okay, <laughs> so uh, Patrick, let's have you go first. How many uh, bitter melons do you give your bitter melon tea out of five? Zero. Actually, I'll give it one. Oh, zero. Just making a product. You get you get points for trying. You get points for one. trying. You did it. Okay. It's it really it's wasn't that good. I'm gonna be honest. It's, I did not like. You it. have to go. You have to go look up the health benefits of it, and maybe that'll give it a couple more stars. Okay. Yeah. I'll I'll, I'll revisit. I'll <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. So so follow up with Patrick about whether or not the health benefits outweigh the flavor of his bitter melon drink. Mm-hmm. Um, Nathan, what about you? How many uh, wheat, wheat uh, teas I, do you give? I I tea? like it. I know it's healthy for me. It's it's not because I like sugar in most of my teas. It's not that sweet. So, but that's just my taste. So I would still give it, uh, you know, a good four and a half out of five stars because I know it's uh, it's it's healthy and refreshing. If I added a little sugar to it, I'd, I would put it up to five. But that's Ooh. my American talking. So. All right. <laughs> um, I'm going to give Lotte's corn silk tea three and a half corns on the cob uh, out of five. Because here's the deal. When I drink it, I'm like, well, this is weird. And then I don't drink it a while. And I find myself, I'm like, I mean, I'll, I'll have another drink. It's like one of those things, you know, like it mm. sits in your mouth and you're like, I mean, I want some more. But then also, I feel like it's doing not great things to my breath. Because it just is like the corn taste flavor smell is just like sitting in my soft palate and it's i don't know if it's escaping and fortunately we're not in person so you can't tell if it's escaping but i feel like it's escaping and my wife will tell me whether or not it is later so that's less than i need and brandon round us out how do you feel about the corn silk tea how many Uh, corns on the cob do you give it i i like it um like i said i drink a lot of seltzer water so i feel like this is just like a smidge bit sweet not enough but you know i think it's solid i'd probably give it uh, similar to yours, maybe like a three three corns out of the cobs, you know, out of five. I feel All it's right. not three like out the, of the bet. Three, yeah, three corns out D-cob of the cobs. Decob corns. Decob corns. <laughs> okay. Um, I feel like yeah. I feel like it's it's solid. I would I drink it again? Probably. Uh, would I buy like a whole case? You know, a whole truckload case of it? Probably not. No. Would you? But pour would you it buy on... like a pallet? A pallet? <laughs> mm, I don't know. 
I feel like if it came in like a pack, like a 12 pack or something, I would be like six drinks in and I'd be like, yeah, I'm done with this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what if you poured it on corn pops? That would be weird. I don't know if that would really <laughs> Too work. Much corn. I feel like I would. I It'd feel like it would take corn. the rate. I feel like it would take the yeah. rating down more. You know? I love <laughs> corn pops. Yeah, I don't know that I would ever do that. This tastes like you know what this tastes like. This tastes like watered down. It's like if you made corn pops with water and then just drank the water after you finished the bowl. Whoa. That's what this would taste like. See, now you're making me want it. That sounds really good. It just, oh, it's okay. really just. It's really just like if you put the corn on the cob in a blender and you just blitzed it up until you know. Yeah, until it's, it was a, a drink. it's really hard to describe. So uh, go out to your local Target or wherever you get your Korean food and uh, <laughs> find yourself some corn silk tea. Probably not the bitter melon. Don't the bitter melon. <laughs> yeah. After fact-checking with Patrick, uh, yeah. you find Unless out you're that a sadist, the benefits then are you'll enjoy it. it. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, well, Brandon, thank you so much for coming on the show. It has been fantastic chatting with you. Um, where can people find you? What, uh, where can people find your work and your projects and all of that? Okay, so, well, you know, I'm official and I have a website. So if you want to check nice. out www.audioaddictionmedia.com that's where all the links will be uh, where you can check out anything from like merch store to like videos that I post um, if you want to follow me on social media uh, most of it is Audio Addiction Media Twitch is the same thing Audio Addiction Media the only one that isn't is Twitter because they don't allow enough characters so shout to Twitter for not allowing enough characters so it's Audio Addiction underscore so Check that out there. Um, like I mentioned, I'm going on a bit of a break, probably about a month. I don't know how long, um, but somewhere around that portion of time. And um, so I hope to be back at it soon. And I'll have to get I'll have to get Patrick on for a Circus Survive uh, album tour thing or whatever. <laughs> Please do. Please do. I would be yeah. happy to be a guest on your show. And also awesome. Nathan will be there. Oh yeah, Nathan, Nathan will be there. Listen, Nathan listening will, to Nathan will be Nathan will be here in the background of my video. Well, what about this progressive? You may or may not have heard of him. He's named Debussy. Good one. Uh, all right. Well, you can find you. me on all of the things at KJ Relke, K-J-R-O-E-L-K-E. You can find me on Instagram at Patrick in the World. You can also find me on SoundCloud at Patrick Isn't Real. That you is can my find cat. His cat. <laughs> um, is that your cat right on the street? <laughs> Where can you find your cat? Does, <laughs> does uh, she have a YouTube channel too? Uh, he does not. He has glaucoma in his right eye, so that's, oh. that's all good. <laughs> uh, you can find me mostly uh, Noak Photo or uh, Nathan Noak Photography. Um, it's all, all a little bit different. <laughs> Boom, and you can uh, find the show at John Chi Show on all of the platforms. Uh, you can find us on, watch us on YouTube, uh, listen to us on the podcast. New episodes drop every Wednesday. Uh, thank you again, Brandon, for being on the show. It was really, really fantastic. Yeah, thank um, you so much. That thank is it. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.